Welcome to the A Fire podcast. Now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Each episode features real and honest conversations with thought leaders from around the world at all levels of the commercial real estate and investing business, examining the ideas and questions fundamental to the future of our industry. Where are we now? What happens next? What should we do about it? How do we become better investors, leaders, and global citizens? For more, here's your host and the CEO of AFIRE, Gunnar Branson. PropTech and Venture Capital, Part 2. Disruption of real estate. What should we do about it? Is anyone safe from all this change? This is a continuation of a conversation I had with Vincent Cicerelli. He's the uh, growth lead for the Americas at JLL Spark. We've talked a little bit offline on this, but disruption. Uh, what does that mean? What do real estate players today have to think about, worry about, pay attention to, and possibly be ready to change, given that a lot of things that we've held dear, as this is the way it always is, are about to change? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's a great question. It goes back to the, you know, what you just said. You've got to talk about business, business models changing. I mean, one segment you touched on was leasing. I think leasing as we know it, will be changed forever. I think those 10, 15, 20 year leases are no more. Um, yes, are there exceptions? Will it occur? Yes, absolutely. But for the most part, I, I think to your point, what the user wants, the user will get. And I think for the pandemic, you know, there's the pandemic as a whole was, you know, an unfortunate circumstance for everyone globally. But one thing that came out of that will will come out of the pandemic um, that could be seen as a positive is that the power has been put back into the employee's hands. And, you know, the, the, the employer now isn't going to tell you that you have to come in nine to five every day. You have to clock your hours and you have to be in the office. That's just not the case. Um, I would argue though also different, segments um, of occupier clients are, are going to have to adapt. The more traditional old school industries are going to have to catch up with the tech Silicon Valley mindset of enabling, you know, flexible work schedules, giving them the resources to work from home, also providing the amenities in office to attract them to the office and collaborate and, and, and be productive and convince them to stay there longer, work harder and and stay with the company long-term. So those are all things that are going to shift and the power being back in the consumer hands is critical. But when we're talking about, you know, areas that are ripe for disruption, leasing, I think is one that's super interesting. I think a lot of people are trying it. Who will crack the code? I don't know, but a leasing marketplace um, where, you know, truly the owners of these assets can go on and, and showcase their spaces and the prospective tenants can lease it directly from the, the owner uh, and investor client, I think that's something that's going to be in the pipeline. There, I'm sure there already is something that's handling that to a degree, but no one's cracked the code and, and scaled that uh, nationally or even globally. So just thinking out loud, that's one that's extremely interesting. And then to that point, it goes back to the valuation side of the business. I mean, a lot of these assets, once you get good standing um, you know, credit tenants, that increases the valuation of your asset. Well, with these flexible lease terms moving forward, Things are going to be a little bit different on that end too. So how do you how do you 
adapt to the new norm and, and, and value, you know, have a realistic valuation on these assets. Uh, that's, I think, an area that's ripe for disruption. I think there's people already trying it. I know there's people already trying this. I've talked to some of them. So there's a lot going on in that space. And then you got to just get down to the major occupier clients. Are they going to be buying or leasing going forward? Tough to say, um, tough to know what the real estate footprint's going to look like. But I just think the world as we knew it, all of real estate is up for disruption. But I think also the way we look at technology and, and digital solutions today is, is pretty archaic. I think if you look at some of these enterprise solutions that have been around for quite a while, they are 20 years old and they've barely been iterated upon and they've barely been maintained and kept up. And yet this is what real estate falls back to over and over time and time again. I think now you're starting to see these innovative platforms pop up that are trying to be interoperable. They want to consolidate um, all of these different solutions into one centralized platform. They want to take it from you know, being based in a data center to, to cloud-based. They want to have um, data being easily extractable um, and, and digestible to where you can take it and you can actually use those data, use that data to provide insights to your tenants to enable them to truly optimize their spaces. And, and, and if you do that, I think long-term, you're going to be the one that has the better ROI than the person next door because your tenants are going to um, stay with you. They're going to trust you. And then also, you're going to be more savvy as you go out and, and explore the market and, and find other opportunities because you're going to know what those tenants are working for. So I think disruption goes back to the the heart of what real estate is, and that's relationship-based. You got to be open. You got to be transparent. And I think moving to this cloud-based, um, interoperable mindset, having everything consolidated and sharing those insights. I mean, data is king. And if, if the investor and owners work with the tenants and with the brokers and, and have that open channel of communication and use those insights to actually apply that to their business models and, and adjust and pivot as needed, I, I think there's the sky's the limit there. Um, but there will be a lot of people who, for whatever reason, don't don't take hold of what's in front of them and, and they stick to their old ways and they're going to fall behind and have to either play makeup or be replaced by a technology solution that does what you do, but more efficient and cheaper and more transparent. Because we're, we're certainly in the real estate industry, at least inside how we do things, we tend to be very slow. We yep. have lots of friction. Uh, we have a lot of handoffs uh, and we don't always use a lot of data. Um, we, we tend to, to go in yep. a different direction. Um, I, I do think it's interesting that relationship with the customer, uh, there are parts of real estate that have a much tighter relationship. So retail, even though they're in trouble, most retail operators really know their tenants. That's how they survive in terms of creating a, ma a, a mall. Uh, the, um, and oh, and, and when they have a, a conference, ICSC, all the retailers are there with them. I mean, that they're their partners. They really see themselves that way, even though they have that, longer. That's a fun conference too. Oh yeah. I mean, Vegas, it's big. <laughs> it's the second biggest conference every year that Vegas has. Yep. I mean, it's fantastic. Um, the, uh, the multifamily industry, I think, has been a real leader in terms of gathering data and and understanding their customers. Now, part of it's that short lease. That short lease means that you have to. Yep. Uh, and some of our multifamily investors even get to the point that they, because they are focused on a younger uh, demographic, yep. generally, most multifamily skews younger, is that the the projects they have 
people don't even have to see anybody before they lease. Yeah. So everything's done digitally and remote, which it's not necessarily that much different for the owner of the buildings, although they're probably finding savings, et cetera, from that. Mm -hmm. It's mostly because the user wants it. You know, the, the, the person that's looking for this apartment wants it. Um, so when we talk about disruption, mm -hmm. quite often we talk about how can I, a real established real estate company, go out there and disrupt the rest of the industry? And yet, when we look at other industries that have been disrupted, it's an outsider that comes in. Yeah. It's someone that actually is native with data thinking. It is native with systems that has an advantage that goes into an old, tired industry and says, you know what, why, why are you selling CDs? You know, why, why are you using film? That's, that's silly. We'll just build it ourselves. And in many cases, they take the technology right from the company that isn't doing yep. it. Um, so do you think that's a threat for real estate? Is the question is, do you think outsiders coming in and disrupting the space a threat for real estate? Yes. Yes, I think it's a threat. I do also think, though, the way real estate operates and has grown to what it is today, um, they've done a good job building a moat as well to make that a little bit harder. The, the barriers of entry for an outsider to come in and disrupt real estate are higher than most other industries or, or segments that are being disrupted because real estate is so relationship driven. And I think if we're talking about putting together a recipe for success for a real estate to say, how do I lead the way? How do I innovate? How do I become my you know market leader in, in whatever um, you know area I'm trying to lead within? I think the best thing you can do. This goes back to something we said earlier about you know startups have little to lose and a lot to gain. I think the best thing you can do from a real estate perspective is is open up the channels of communications with these groups, adopt uh, you know adopt them, pilot their their products, take the risk to work alongside them because what you have to realize in, in real estate technology or prop tech is that these are very early stage companies. Um, there's a lot of green space, a lot of blue oceans to be explored here, and these solutions coming in may be you know tech professionals that don't have the you know the purview or the insights into the way the real estate industry operates and they need your help so if you take them and you work with them and you give them valuable feedback on how to tailor how to build their solution to truly penetrate or solve for the pain point that they're they're looking to build a platform around you have the opportunity to be a partner alongside them and craft their story to truly fit your needs and you know, keep in mind, it's a relationship-driven industry. If if you take this, you're going to be seen as kind of that thought leader, or that go-to advisory partner for these startups as well, which gives you a leg up on your competition in the whatever market you're operating within. You can truly craft these solutions to meet your needs. And I think down the road, long term, as as prop tech matures, there's eventually going to be off-the-shelf solutions for everyone. But it's still so early where if you truly want to innovate and disrupt as a real as a real estate company, there's a ton of opportunity to do so. You just have to be willing to take those risks. And and again, they're calculated risks. I think you have a specific asset or a specific market where you know, you know, technology adoption is high and you're willing to create pilot sites for these different innovations you want to test out and then give feedback on. And then once you have it fine-tuned to meet the needs to meet your needs or, or solve the pain points that you're looking to solve, then you roll it out across your portfolio. I think the last thing you want to do 
is shut out these these prop tech startups from a conversation and an opportunity to innovate alongside you. But also the other thing you have to be careful of is you don't want to adopt and deploy across everything right away. You want to take it in in slow um, phases. You know, you want to take that startup on their first date and get to know them. And then maybe your second date, you do a pilot. And then once it starts to make sense, you say, hey, let's talk about larger opportunities. Let's start. Let's talk about getting in a true, you know, relationship here and be real partners with one another. I think that's the opportunity. When you look at these companies um, that you look at, 100 or so a month that you're looking at, um, what are some of the key indicators to you? Okay, this is a company that's got it. Here's a startup. So, you know, to, to help anyone that's saying, all right, I want to partner with a startup. I want to do, you know, some piloting, whatever it is. What are the things that anyone who's engaging with these groups should pay attention to? You know, I think traditionally within the the venture capital world, when you evaluate startups, you look at a few factors right off the get-go. One is the, you know, the product market fit and the total addressable market opportunity. So, is there a fit here and is the market opportunity large enough to to get me interested? If that checks the box, you kind of go down. And, and I think the next thing you look at is the executive team in place or founder X factor. Does this founder or you know group of founders, do they have the experience, the background to truly build this solution and scale this business uh, and, and be extremely successful? That's That's a tough thing to figure out. And um, one thing that's, I think, unique about PropTech is you're usually looking for someone with a real estate background to be in that founder uh, group. Because, again, back to what we just said, real estate's a, a different animal. It's relationship driven. There's a lot of nuances that you wouldn't know unless you were in the industry. Um, and if you're just coming as an outsider from tech, it's going to be a lot harder to do without someone who has that background and that experience to bring to the table. And then I think, you know, unique to real estate is, or even JLO Spark is the applicability to our own business lines. That's a, that's a serious factor or a pillar that they need to check before we're comfortable moving forward. Usually we'll pilot the opportunity prior to making an investment to see it actually work in an asset or work, you know, during, you know, a transaction or a process that, that this startup is applicable to. So, you know, just to summarize that, we're looking at, you know, product market fit and total accessible market opportunity. We're looking at the the executive team in place to see if they truly have the capabilities. And obviously, we're not going to know, but we're hedging our bets based off the ones we think um, fit the bill the best. And then lastly is how do they directly add value to JLL and our business in our organization as a whole. Um, and I think that's the same that could be translated to all investment or real estate companies that want to invest in prop tech or adopt prop tech is looking at those types of factors. I, th I think about tech companies that have come and gone in the real estate space in the last 20 plus years. And it, the, the ones that, you know, they may, uh, you, you see a lot of companies, you see companies that have something interesting and, and whatever else. Um, but adoption becomes the real pain point. If there is no pain point, if, if people like the way things are, it's going to be really hard to sell them on something that's going to create more pain because you're going to have to adapt to a new system. Um, do, do you see that play out? Absolutely. I mean, that's the same with it. That's the same with any innovation trying to disrupt any segment is, are you truly solving for a pain point? But then I, I would go a step further and say, it's either you solve for a pain point or you make things just better than how they were previously. I mean, you go back to the, you know, the logical examples of the Ubers and Lyfts world. Hailing a cab was never that easy. 
you give me the, the you know the ability to do it from my phone from the comfort of my own home or at my restaurant and I wait inside not in the rain for my ride to show up and I walk out and get in it and you know people you can share it with people so they know you know what what ride you're in um, ensure you get home safely there's there's different ways to look at it I don't think it necessarily has to be a pain point but you have to make it better than it was before and not by a small amount. It needs to be a pretty significant amount to move the needle on that front. Because as we know, within real estate, people get comfortable. There's a, a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of relationships on the line. They don't want to risk this and that. So you have to be bringing something that significantly adds value, whether that's solving for a major pain point that previously couldn't be solved for, or exponentially increasing the, the current process or the current way things are being done um, in whatever segment you're going after. I, I absolutely agree. I might add, though, two words for whom better for whom, because I think to a certain extent, I've seen a lot of stuff that it's better. Maybe it'd be better for real estate as a whole, but that's a pretty nebulous concept. But the people that have to interact with it, if it's not better for them, um, funny how that goes away <laughs> pretty quickly. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always two sides to the coin, right? It's the end user and the people who actually have to use it to, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's Uber. It's not just the the consumer, the rider, it's also the driver. Right. You have to make sure it's a, it's a two-way street. So the innovation we've seen um, in any category today, always a two-sided coin. It's very rarely there's one solution solving for one side of the coin that, that truly gets adopted and, and becomes standard throughout the industry. So when you look at all the developments that's happening, um, a, a large amount of capital pouring into this space, uh, real estate, Kind of on a at a at a point of change, a significant point of change. Uh, what are you worried about? Hmm. That's a really good question. You know, I would say that is to be determined. I think the thing I'm worried about most is the resistance to change. Um, there's PropTech is still so much so in in its infancy. There's so much to be explored. There's so much to be built out, so much to be consolidated, pivoted, changed here and there across all facets of real estate. My The biggest danger, I think, is people shutting the door and not being willing to take that risk, innovate, work, collaborate. And I think if there were, you know, hard set, you know, other dangers, there might be a re I might not have the job I have today because I think we need to figure those out. Uh, it's just still so early in the space. It's hard to say um, where the dangers are. But I think, you know, the, the, the biggest danger we see today or the biggest roadblock is getting people to actually adopt and, and use the platforms or the solutions we are investing in. And, and, and traditionally, you know, we'll get 10 no's before we get a yes. And then once we get that yes, we'll get five more yeses. And then the people who have said no are going to come back and say, actually, I heard this person's using that. Can I try it now? And we're just, it, it's, it's the way the world goes round. And, and I think that's the biggest risk PropTech has right now is people resistant to change and not open to taking that risk. And a lot of that stems from the idea that robots are going to replace our jobs. I just don't think that's 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 true. I think that's an archaic way to look at it. And I think if, you know, yeah, there could be solutions that come in and replace significant portions of people's job responsibilities, but that just opens up your ability to go focus on something else and add more value to your firm in 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 other areas and in, in other places you maybe hadn't done before. It allows you to expand your 
your your tool set and, and sharpening your knives to go do other things. So people have to embrace it, see the upside and realize the potential to grow within their career trajectory too through technology. So what are you most excited about? Oh, that's a fun one. Um, you know, I think if you look at every major industry, and this is like almost sounds like a sales pitch, and this is basically how I ended up joining JLL Spark and the previous prop tech company I was with before, it's you have to look at the upside of prop tech. And the upside is tremendous. Think of all of the major industries um, globally, and then think of everything you do on a daily basis that ties to different industries, consumer facing or not. Pretty much everything's been turned upside down and flipped on its head by technology. And I, I don't think I actually, I know for a fact, real estate has not real estate is so far behind some other industries. Um, when it comes or all other industries, when it comes to technology that I think we are truly living in a unique world where we have the ability to participate, to watch and experience probably the most important industry in the world completely transform right in front of us. Um, and I mean, you got to just look at it. There's very few enterprise software players in the space today. I mean, I think IBM Tririca is one of them, Accruent, some of these other solutions. They're all 20-year-old platforms that are ripe for disruption or displacement, or maybe they're going to be savvy and go out and acquire and, and integrate these startups that are starting to solve for areas where, that they have not maintained or kept up with. But we truly get to be a part of this. And I think one thing that's most exciting for anybody listening to this in the real estate industry, especially for the executives of these real estate companies, is that you have the opportunity to tailor that story. And you could be one of the groups that moves the needle significantly. And if you do that um, in a cautious, but yet risky, I know that kind of contradicts itself, but in a cautious and risky manner, you have the ability to significantly separate yourself from your your competition in whatever market you're playing within. Cautious and risky. Yep. You got to be it's a don't understand sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it, it it's a it's a beautiful concept. It, this idea that all of this requires risk. The change is painful. Uh it's it's difficult and it's painful in our personal lives as well as in our professional lives in terms of how these things need to go and there is risk to that. There are things that will not go well. Um, but we have to do that, um, and, and perhaps protect ourselves as we do it. I think that's, that's excellent way of thinking about it. I'm going to have to hold on to that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I mean, if you look at some of these, you know, other examples in recent history, CRMs did this in the early 2000s. Think about Salesforce and what they did in 04, 05, and now where they're at today. There was a lot of hiccups and a lot of people who spent a lot of money trying to build their own custom instance, and it didn't go too hot. But they're still around. They're better than they've ever been before, and and they're here to stay. You could say cybersecurity. This you know major evolution took place starting maybe ten years ago, and look at what Okta did for cybersecurity. And then communications and and productivity platforms. I think within the last five years, especially within the last twelve months, you've seen a significant uptake in 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 value that they have added to every organization globally. So I I think real estate is something as I mentioned earlier with prop tech. It, you could term it any way you want. Real estate touches every facet of our everyday lives, and it's ripe for disruption. And it's here to stay. And if you do it the right way, um, it could be, it will be pretty amazing to experience. 
Well, I, I think we've run out of time, uh, but this has been a fascinating conversation and I look forward to speaking with you again, Vincent. Uh, so thank you for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Absolutely, Gunnar. Thank you for having me and looking forward to our next conversation. You've been listening to the AFIRE podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice to this podcast. No content included here is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information, including the AFIRE podcast, may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable. AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in the AFIRE podcast are those of its respective contributors and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE. To learn more about the AFIRE podcast, including underwriting and guest opportunities, visit afire.org slash podcast.